Hello, everyone. Welcome to session nine in our study of Esther. Today, we're going to be discussing chapter five, verses one through five. Okay, so think for a moment about all the occasions in life where you had to dress up. A wedding, an anniversary, a funeral, a business dinner. Well, in today's passage, we're going to find that Esther had to dress up. But it wasn't for a wonderful occasion like a wedding or an anniversary. Esther had to dress up because she had a job to do. She had a task to fulfill. And this task might very well cause her death. So if you've been listening through the whole book of Esther, then you know that this is the moment that we've been waiting for for two whole weeks. Now, Haman, the king's top official, has enacted a law that will cause the destruction of the entire Jewish race. And Queen Esther was a Jew, except no one knew this yet. And she had to decide whether or not to go to the king to plead for mercy on behalf of her people. Now, it sounds like a no-brainer that that's obviously what she should do, except for the fact that the king had a law that no one, not even his wife the queen, could approach him without being invited or summoned first. And if they did, they were to be executed right then and there. So does Esther risk her life for the small chance that the king might grant mercy for the Jewish people? Well, before she decided anything, she went to the Lord in fasting and prayer. And all the Jews in the city of Susa joined her. For three days, they fasted and prayed, seeking godly wisdom in his counsel. And here in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, we see what Esther decided to do. It says, On the third day, Esther dressed in her royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard of the palace facing it. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal courtroom facing its entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand toward Esther, and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? The king asked her. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom, will be given to you. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I have prepared for them. The king said, hurry and get Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. So on the third day, after seeking God's direction, she dressed in her royal robes and went and stood in the inner courtyard facing the palace entrance. And the king was sitting on his throne facing the entrance. So let's set the scene here for a moment. Now, the throne that the king sat on, it looked like a high-backed chair, and it was made of gold or inlaid with gold, and it was covered with an ornate tapestry. It sat very high, I mean, so high that the king needed a footstool. Now, the throne room was most likely a very large open structure with pillars all around. The king was probably surrounded by attendants and guards and counselors and officials, all attending to the governmental affairs of the Persian provinces. So imagine this vast open room filled with people and commotion and various business being conducted. Now, verse 2 says that as soon as the king saw Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him, and he extended his gold scepter in his hand toward Esther, and she touched the tip of the scepter. Now, the scepter was nothing more than a slender gold rod that was about as tall as the king was, and he held it in his right hand while he sat on the throne, and he even carried it with him when he walked around. 
Now, the fact that he extended the scepter toward Esther indicated that he had pardoned her from the death sentence and that her visit was welcomed. Touching the tip of the scepter showed Esther's reverence and submission for his authority. Now, I don't want to gloss over all the ways that God is intervening here. I mean, verse 2, it says that as soon as the king saw Esther, she gained his favor. Now, considering all the people and distractions that are probably taking place, the king could have easily overlooked Esther. And no doubt the guards knew the standing law. I mean, anyone coming before the king unannounced should be killed. So they could have killed her before the king even noticed that she was there. And the king was known for his unwarranted fits of rage. But rather than being angry with Esther, he favored her. So much so that in verse 3, he tells her that he would give her anything that she asked for. I believe part of the reason that he favored her was because she conducted herself like a queen. First of all, she got dressed up like a queen. She wore her royal clothing, her royal robes, as other translations say. Now remember, Esther and Mordecai and the Jewish people, they had been praying and fasting for three days. And that's a wonderful thing, but just sitting around praying, that wasn't going to get the job done. I mean, someone needed to take action. As Christians, faith in God, that is the cornerstone of our religion. But if we rest on our laurels and trust in faith alone, without engaging in what God is doing, then it's pointless. James 2.20 is clear. Faith without works is dead. Esther put feet to her faith and got dressed up, even knowing that this might be her last day on earth. What if you thought that this was your last day on planet earth? How would you spend it? Esther spent hers doing something noble. Esther conducted herself according to her position in the kingdom. She was the queen, so she dressed and acted accordingly. She put on her royal attire and gave a banquet. If we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation, then we have a position in God's kingdom. And what is our position? Well, Galatians 4, 4 through 7 tells us that we are children of God, and if a child of God, then God has made us his heirs. We are heirs to the kingdom of God. I mean, think about that for a minute. I don't know about you, but that makes me pretty happy. I mean, Christians should be the happiest people in the world. We have access to all of God's blessings. What a privilege. But we don't always conduct ourselves that way, do we? We don't always live like we're princes and princesses of God's kingdom. We sometimes aren't taking advantage of the wisdom, the strength, the faith, the peace, and the goodness that is available to us as God's heirs. But why? Why don't we? Well, Galatians 5.17 says that the desires of our flesh are against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh, and they are in opposition to one another in order to keep us from doing what we want. 1 Peter 2.11 says that our fleshly desires wage war against the soul. 1 Peter 5.8 says the devil, he prowls around like a lion, seeking someone to devour. So there's this battle going on within us as to whether or not we're going to live out our lives according to our royal position in God's kingdom or our fleshly position in the world's kingdom. And it was a battle for Esther too. 
but she used the tools available to her as a royal member of the Persian kingdom. She threw a queen's banquet. So what tools do we have as royal members of God's kingdom? Well, Galatians 5, and 23 tells us that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if we have the Holy Spirit living within us, then we have these characteristics living within us too. And I think that's important to consider because I have to admit there have been times in my life when I've used the excuse, you know what? I am just not a patient person. I am just not a joyful person. I mean, it's not in my nature. I was born a very pessimistic, impatient person. Well, that may have been who I was, but it is not who I am. You see, when we trust in Jesus for salvation, he becomes the Lord of our lives. And when that happens, we aren't the same people that we were before. We become transformed. The Holy Spirit lives within us now. And when he takes up residence within our hearts, then all of these gifts come along with him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what we have access to every single day. So it begs the question, are we using these amazing gifts that we've been given? Now, Esther dressed in her royal attire because she was the queen and because that was what was expected. You had to dress appropriately to go before the king. But we don't. We can come before our King Jesus just as we are. Many people think that they have to clean themselves up first, that they have to clean up their lives before coming to Jesus, or they believe that they've gone too far into sin to ever be able to be cleaned up. But 1 John 1, 9 is clear. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, it is God who does the cleansing. And he not only forgives, he forgets. Hebrews 8.12 says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. When Esther adorned herself in the royal robes, everyone knew exactly who she was. I mean, there was no mistake in who she was when you looked at her. You knew that she was the queen. When people look at you and me, and no doubt they do, can they tell whose we are, which kingdom we belong to? Now, Esther really displays wisdom here because she went and stood in the inner courtyard of the palace. Now, you can imagine the intense emotions going on here. I mean, she knew that at any moment she could be run through with a sword. Yet she chose to follow God in the face of gripping fear. You see, she didn't live according to how she felt. She probably felt like running away and hiding. But instead, she acted according to what she knew not what she felt. And I think that's where we get messed up sometimes. I think we function according to how we feel. I'm angry, I'm tired, and I'm stressed out. So it should be okay that I snap at my family and lose my temper with my coworkers occasionally. I mean, I'm having a really bad day. Well, not so. Because this kind of attitude can lead to doing and saying things that we don't mean and things that we regret later. So in verses four and five, the king showed favor to Queen Esther 
and he offered to give her whatever it was that she requested. But before giving her request, she invited the king and Haman to a banquet that she had prepared for them. Now, Esther's being both wise and strategic here, because remember, Haman was the one who manipulated the king into enacting this law to destroy the Jews. But why have a banquet, though? I mean, why not just make her request right then and there? Well, according to Warren Wiersbe, it wasn't the right time. I mean, the king wasn't prepared to hear that his closest confidant was a conniving scoundrel. It wasn't the right place, with all the officers and guards and officials present. It wasn't proper palace etiquette to come before the king weeping and pleading for mercy. It was also important for Haman to be there, since he was the one at the center of this whole conflict. And it was important to meet with the king alone, because his default position when faced with conflict was to do whatever his advisors told him to do. And a banquet, it revealed Esther's reverence for the king and a desire to please him, not to mention garnering his respect and softening his temper and his mood and hopefully making him more accepting of her request. Matthew Henry says, what is hastily asked is often hastily denied, but what is asked with a pause deserves to be considered. Proverbs 25:15 says, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. Now, in verse 5, the king is quick to respond to Esther. Hurry and get Haman, he says, so that we can do as Esther has requested. Now, notice in verse 4, though, that Esther says, come to a banquet that I have prepared, and not come to a banquet that I'm going to prepare. You see, Esther already had the banquet ready before even going to the king. Now, why would she do that if she knew that she might be dead in a few hours? I mean, preparing a feast for a king, that's no small affair. It was elaborate, elegant. The food, the drink, the atmosphere had to be perfect. No detail could be overlooked. It took time, effort, and energy. But why spend so much time and energy when it looked like things were hopeless? Well, see, that's what spending time praying and seeking God does. It brings back hope. Three days ago, Esther was terrified and had no idea what to do. Now, she is calmly, coolly, meticulously preparing a banquet and going before the king unannounced. What a difference time with God can make. When we spend focused, still, quiet, attentive time with the Lord, it changes us. It doesn't always change the situation, though. When Esther came out of her time with God, nothing about her circumstance had changed. Her people were still set to be killed, and she still was the only one with any chance of saving them. She was in the same predicament. But she had changed. She had hope now. Seeking God focuses our attention on what's truly important. It helps calm our fear, our anger, our bitterness and resentment. It prevents us from making snap judgments and rash decisions that hinder us in our relationships. Spending time with the Lord reminds us that He can do anything and that He has the power and ability to overcome any situation if we will allow Him to change our perspective, to see things through His eyes and not our own. We have to trust Him. It's like that old folk tale, The Blind Man and the Elephant. There were four blind men who wanted to know what an elephant was like. 
So their friends took them to an elephant. Now one blind man felt the elephant's side and said, An elephant is smooth and solid like a wall. It must be very powerful. The second blind man felt the trunk and said, No, an elephant is more like a giant snake. The third blind man felt the tusk and said, No, it's sharp and deadly like a spear. The fourth blind man felt the legs and said, No, you're all wrong. An elephant is more like a cow. You see, they all made assumptions about what an elephant was like based on their limited perspective. There was so much more going on than what they had experienced. But when it comes to God, he sees the whole elephant, past, present, and future. He knew then, and he knows now, how everything is going to shake out. All he required of Esther was her faithfulness. Will we be faithful? Are we as committed to following the Lord when it looks like there's no way that this is going to work out? I mean, it couldn't have been easy for her, preparing this beautiful banquet for a man who might kill her for coming before him unannounced, and for a man who wanted to annihilate her own people. But she did it. Perhaps she realized that the only options that she could see weren't the only options that there were. So what is your perspective on your life right now? Are you confident that God's going to work it all out? If not, then the challenge would be to consider how often have you prayed this week? How often did you read your Bible? When we disconnect from Jesus, we disconnect from truth. And that makes it easy to lose sight of the fact that God is in control, that he loves you, that he's concerned about you that he wants what is the best for you. Spending time with God reminds us of these things and it strengthens our faith. So let's make sure we're making it a priority in our lives. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.